Hold on to the mic. Um, so I was on your story and you, you made a good point today. So we're talking about home ownership and real estate investing. And, you know, some people say that it's cheaper to um, cheaper to buy than to rent. Right. But you don't equate for all the expenses that comes with home ownership. Right. So kind of talk us about your experience and everything you're dealing with and, you know, the, the positives and negatives when it comes to ownership that you need to be aware of going into that process. Mm hmm. So when you're an entrepreneur, right, the number one thing that you want to do is you want to beat the IRS at their game, right? You're like, I want to keep as much money as possible. So when I made my first six figures in 2016, um, so and I bought my first property in 2018, 18 going into 19. And at the time, I thought like the best way, you know, to really capitalize on entrepreneurship was I'm going to write everything off. Right. I need a accountant that's not scared to go to jail. So we're going to finesse. <laughs> we're going to finesse these numbers. We're going to figure this out right off every little thing because I'm not trying to give the government any more money. Right. Um, but what we don't realize is that when we write all of these things off, then we can af we can't afford as much house because we're not showing as much income. So I ended up having to actually redo the last two years of tax returns um, and pay more in taxes in order for me to be able to qualify for a decent home. In that process also, when I started investing in real estate, I knew that I wanted to not only have equity, but I also wanted to decrease my lifestyle and decrease my expenses. So I did something that's called house hacking. Are you guys familiar with what house hacking is? Yes, okay. No? Who's who said no? Okay. Okay. So house hacking is basically when you purchase a property and you live in part, like you can uh, purchase a duplex, for example, and you live in one side and then you rent out the other and the other side would essentially like cover your mortgage. So you're living for free. So when I lived in Atlanta, I had a ranch with a basement. So I lived in the basement apartment for free. And then my tenants upstairs paid my mortgage and a little bit more income. So I was winning on two fronts, right? I wasn't paying rent, but I was also also collecting a, a collecting a little bit of cash flow so that was super important because again as an entrepreneur I'm trying to keep as much money in my pocket as possible but what happened I bought a house that I was you know girl we be watching HGTV we about to fix the bathroom you know I thought I was Scotty out here I really thought I was gonna be out here changing the world baby the sewage line broke uh, my basement flooded. Uh, I had like all of these like crazy expenses. So I became house poor, what we call house poor in six months. So essentially I got like $20,000 in debt trying to like get all of these expenses um, and fix, you know, fix my property because I just didn't know. My realtor at the time didn't get me a warranty. You know, my uh, lender just basically like kind of put me through the process. So when I say like community is important, that's what I mean because buying the house is one thing but figuring out how to pay the mortgage how to pay for you know expenses if anything breaks all that stuff is on you um and when you're an entrepreneur and sometimes your income isn't as stable it can be really difficult to catch up on any repairs and um renovations that you want to do as well as also just like be able to afford your lifestyle so it was very ghetto for a long time um but you know eventually i got out of it and then i bought my property here in dallas and i uh airbnb that one man it sounds like a horror story right there <laughs> not gonna lie not gonna lie um we'll go to amber next so real quick raise your hands how many of you guys are just so entrepreneurs full-time okay cool so amber let's talk about this 
how does entre- how does entrepreneurs get into home ownership, right? Because typically when you have a job, you show two years, you know, proof of income, et cetera. But what's that process like for entrepreneurs? So there's a number of ways. Me and Will was actually just talking about this because Will purchased a house through me as well as an entrepreneur. Um, so it just depends on how you file your taxes. Um, you can we can do bank statement loans, right? And different banks offer different down payments for the bank statement loans. So it just depends on what the bank is offering. Greg, what does your bank offer for bank statement loans? What up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm a mortgage broker, local in Dallas, to answer Amber's question. If you are an entrepreneur, a lot of times what happens, excuse me, a lot of times what happens is that when you make a bunch of money, you wanna keep it from the IRS to keep as much money in your pocket as possible. <laughs> so what happens is that, no, thank you, baby. So what happens is that because you write off so much on your tax returns, the mortgage company doesn't feel like you make enough money to support buying a house. So the solution is to get a bank statement loan, which is where we'll use your bank statements. We'll look at, we'll see the money that's coming into the bank account and we'll use that to qualify you for a house. Usually it's 10 to 15% down. Okay. Um, as long as you got 10 to 15% down in the bank statements to support your income for one to two years, you should be able to qualify. And then you can do an LLC. Um, with an LLC, you take two years of your income, you average that out, whatever that is, they do their configurations, algorithms, and tell you how much house you can afford, depending on your credit, um, what type of product that you're using and when i say product i mean fha conventional va usda whatever product you're using to purchase your house um and i mean i'm in the process of purchasing a house so the way that that works is for me i actually have myself on salary so with me having myself on salary um i pay myself an allotted amount whatever my business doesn't spend rolls over to my income they average out those two years um and that's how that works whereas a person who has a nine to five job they just go with your offer letter or what your paycheck says so it's just a little bit different um but if i'm not mistaken i'll let mike answer this one because he's also a lender um there is they're a little more lenient now with um, entrepreneurs purchasing. Am I right? And so if you do a year-to-date profit and loss statement, are you doing a normal FHA conventional loan or are you doing? And then the only other thing to keep in mind is as an entrepreneur, your income has to move like a ladder. It can't go backwards. It has to go up. Um, It can stay even but it has to show that it's progressively moving. So that's the other thing with entrepreneurs. So, so elaborate on that. That means I can't have a bad month, or what are you trying to say? I mean, <laughs> it ain't about the month, it's about the year. Oh, it's year, about the okay. whole year. Okay. So like, for instance, I could use me as an example. I took June and July off, okay. but the government don't care as long as at the end of 2022, I made more than I made in 2021. So that's, how that works so like it's you have to be strategic on your write-offs um i don't ridiculously write off because like i said i have a cpa i put myself on salary i pay the irs religiously and i hate it um 
I pay them, you know, self-employment taxes. Um, I have employees that work for me. So I pay employee taxes. They get a lot of money. Mm. And then at the end of the year, whatever the overage is, they tax me on that. And I just pay a lump sum so they don't tax me for setting up a payment plan. Gotcha. Thanks for sharing. Uh, real quick, we'll go to Will, Scotty, and Portia. But do we have any CPAs in the building? Raise your hand if you're a CPA. Okay, no CPAs in here. Trying to get y'all some business. Because <laughs> I need one if y'all know one. Um, Will, Scotty, Portia, let's get into this. Okay, so and I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur. I got some money. I got a loan now. But what makes a good investment property? Like, what do you guys specifically look for and realize that's a good investment, whether it's land, um, whether it's a flicks and flip, whether it's you know long-term investment, what do you look for to find a good investment property? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, before I get to that question, I kind of want to tap on what Amber was last speaking sure. on. So like, it's different ways to think about like attaining a loan, you know, or, or like a loan to live in as an entrepreneur. So most people came, I'm assuming, because you have aspirations, or maybe you already are real estate investors, right? Am I right, wrong, indifferent? Take a poll. I mean, want to own a house, okay. want to okay. be a real estate investor. About 50-50. Okay. Yeah, 50-50. So I think it's multiple ways in which you can answer that question, right? So me, I'm a real estate investor and developer, right? And I'm in the process now of building my, you know, my dream home, custom home, whatever the case may be. So my approach to obtaining that loan is totally different, right? It, it has some similarities of like being an entrepreneur because I am an entrepreneur, right? But I take a different approach, right? So my approach is, you know, because I had the experience as a developer and a builder, I can obtain my loan a little bit differently. And at some point, each and every investor in here, you're going to start doing deals, right? Whether you're doing fix and flips, right? Whether you're building a house, you know, new construction, ground up, whatever your, your flavor is, that's your flavor. Airbnb don't matter, right? So, like, there's different ways in which you can get into these, like, these loans to build them yourself with your hard money lender or even, like, your bank. So like it's it's important to build those relationships with those hard money lenders in those banks. So like you know, a lot of my financing comes from hard money lenders. They may charge a little bit more higher interest, but what I do is I refi refinance back out of that, and I can get into what's called a rental loan, right? So as an entrepreneur, you can get into a rental loan and quote unquote rent it to your mama, right? Whatever, right? I'm just. I wouldn't say like zero zero percent down or five percent down. It just depends on the equity that you have in the deal, right? So that kind of, that's kind of segue into like the next question, right? So when you're looking at a deal, right, any deal, whether it's for yourself or whether it's for you know flipping and making making that bag on it, right? You kind of want to look at what's the equity position, what's the equity play, right? So like if I buy this piece of land, let's just say we doing ground up new construction. I buy this piece of land for back in the day, Scotty and a lot of these other people can tell you land in South Dallas be a thousand dollars. Fifteen hundred, five thousand, ten thousand, but now it's sixty-five thousand, hundred thousand. But let's just go for what it is today. It's, it, it's kind of my fault a little bit, but um, <laughs> um, it's all our fault, you know. It's everybody's fault. But what I'm saying is, like, you want to look at the equity play on that deal. You feel me? So if I know, okay, if I buy the land for, let's just say, I'm gonna use perfect numbers for fifty thousand. Boom, fifty thousand for the land, right? I'm already in the deal, fifty k. Boom, it cost me 225 to build. So what's 50 plus 225? 275, right? You get a realtor, someone like Amber, to run the comps. 
right? Or even Scotty, you, you have a real estate, um, a realty firm as well, in construction and development. So you kind of run the constant, see what's going on. Okay, I'm 275 ball in, but we're not gonna count the 50. I paid again to the deal, I'm gonna get that back. So I'm really 225. You get a hard money loan for let's just say 300. So as a smart person, you're gonna take out that four 300, right? Because how the IRS work, which I try to teach people is, you only pay taxes on what you know what you actually get once you close that deal, on once you profit, right? So if you sell it for five hundred and you got into the deal for three hundred, I mean your loan was three hundred, you got to pay two hundred bands in taxes. Don't nobody want to do that, right? I know I don't. And when I was early in investing, I did stupid stuff like that, and and I had that big tax bill. And I said I ain't doing that no more. But um, a smarter way to do it, a kind of a different play, like how I do things. You feel me? Like I like. I do cash out refis and I find innovative and creative ways to take as much debt out as possible because guess what? You don't pay taxes on what? Debt. You pay interest, right? That makes sense to everybody? You don't pay taxes on debt. You pay what? Interest. I'm going to say it one more time. You don't pay taxes on debt. You pay what? Interest. See, I'm teaching y'all something. Go ahead and send me a love offering. <laughs> but <laughs> so like when you're looking at a deal, you always got to get real creative with it. You know, like the way my mind works is like, I ain't gonna get into that, but the way my mom worked, it just worked the way it worked. And I'm always trying to find innovative and creative ways to pay debt. I love debt. You hear some people, you hear Dave Ramsey and all these other gurus, financial gurus, oh no, buy a term, invest the difference. You should hate debt. You know, and I know, don't get me wrong, in certain circumstances, you don't wanna be a slave to the borrower. Absolutely. When it comes to real estate investing, which is what we're here for, right? You should love debt. Because debt is gonna put you in a position which you don't have to pay as much taxes so now i'm i'm like i'm building a, my house my personal house is going to be let's just say is like it might appraise for like 2.8 but of course like as a developer i might build it for i'm just trying to give y'all game right 800 700 whatever right boom you can do a cash out refi that's a lot of different entries and extra strategies but i'm i'm, I'm trying to teach people i'm trying to grow my, especially my folks every folk white black puerto rican brown no matter what you is I'm trying to teach you about different ways to think about money and getting into these deals and actually been successful, creating a legacy, feeding your family. So I'm gonna get it to Scotty. That's what's up. Scotty, talk, talk to us about what so, makes a good deal. So I agree. Um, in short, my answer is it depends, right? Um, and if you went to UNT and you learned under John Bain, that's always the answer to these types of questions. It depends, it depends on you. It depends on where you are in your investing journey. If you have $50,000 to invest in real estate, I've always taught, and it's changed a little bit because we're in a different, we're, we're in an interest rate environment that I've never experienced or never seen before in my career. But I used to say that I believe that your first real estate investment should be your own home. And I say that because you can do things like what Emily did and house hack. And so you're living for free while you're one, you're reaping the benefits of, you know, tax tax write off for your interest in your property taxes. You're reaping the benefit of appreciation on the property while somebody else is paying that mortgage. So I bought my first property when I was 19 years old at UNT and I did house hacking. So I lived in one room and my roommates paid the other. I didn't sell that property until, shoot, I think, 
probably about four or five years ago. So from 2007 to 2017, I had this property that I only lived in for a very short time. I was able to take advantage of very low down payment. It was really no down payment because I had, you know, I had down payment assistance and I had a post at that time. It was different, right? You had a post, you can get a loan, but if you're carrying or holding $50,000, go buy your property, go buy your first home and house hack duplex. You know, even if it's just a single family home, if you're a single person, uh, no kids or whatever, whatever you're comfortable with and having two or three other rooms, you can, you can make that play. A lot of times people don't realize that having roommates right now is cool. Most of us, you know, at, you know, under 30, still walking around with roommates anyway. Why not make money off of them? Right. I know a large demographic of people who are under 30, who are under 35 that have roommates. So don't be too shamed to still have roommates, but make money off of them. Right. So you're, you're doing two things. One, you're building and growing wealth by allowing for somebody else to pay your mortgage. But two, you're likely saving your homie or your friend some money because, I mean, you're not going to charge them $1,500 for that room. You know, it might be $800, right? So use your money wisely. And really to answer the question, it just depends on where you are. You know, if you have 50 grand and you have no real estate, start with your with your personal property. If you're an entrepreneur and you have no real estate, but you got 50 grand, holla at Greg. He has all of the loans that you need as entrepreneurs. And there's different ways you can structure it, right? You can structure it as a, you know, I don't know. Do y'all have a loan situation where, hey, I'm renting these other two rooms. I got a lease. I can have a decent. <laughs> Again. <laughs> And just rent the rooms. Yeah. So he's living for free. You know, he bought that property. That was three years ago. We've seen what happened in uh, values over those three years. So he's ro he's rolled that wave. He's likely gotten back a much larger refund check because he's now have, you know, he now has tax write off because of mortgage and all that other stuff. So, again, it depends. At the end of the day, I think what we what we're trying to establish here is that with real estate, there's creativity with how you approach and how you finance this. And so there's no one way to do a deal. It's not a cookie cutter process. And so, you know, I'll say that what I was about to say for another question, but yeah, it's, it's many different ways to skin it. Um, and so that's why it depends. It depends on where you are in your journey and your entrepreneurial journey and your investing journey. It just really depends. And so you just got to sit down with the right community and the right team to make certain that it makes sense for you. Does that help? Y'all picking that up? That's what's up. Porsche, I want to ask you the same question, but I also know you specialize in, in land. Yes, right? I do. So kind of talk to us about 
you know, that process and even, you know, looking to buy land and how do you kind of tell if that land has equity and have an idea for it? We talk about investing creatively, right? So talk to us about what you have in mind when you look to buy land. Okay, so um, I guess I'll start with, uh, I've been wholesaling, well, real estate investing since 2016. Uh, I started like November, 2016. Uh, and for me, I think it's different with Amber when she's saying like, I don't know how many, I, I saw y'all raise your hands for like the full-time entrepreneurs, but for me, like I said, I still work for FEMA. So like I have a nine to five where I make over six figures. Um, and then I make good numbers with my business where people think I do it full-time, but I do not. Um, so with that. I look really, you know, good when I'm doing different things with lenders. Um, so for me, for land, um, I used to do the fix and flips. I used to do like the houses, all this different stuff. Just not my ministry. Uh, it's not my cup of tea. It's a lot of work. Um, and it's just not something I like to do. Um, I got my first land deals in Oak Cliff off Bonaire in 2018, uh, side by side. Got all three of them. Um, and... It was the easiest thing. Like, I mean, I just called them and they were like, what? Like, you know, we don't care about no land, like whatever, whatever. And just like, whatever. And I was like, okay. Like, and I got all three of them under contract. Um, I think I got them under contract at the time. Cause it was like, what, 2018, maybe like 15,000. I think I sold them for like 25, 25 each. Yeah. So like after that, I was just like, oh yeah, we about to switch gears, like <laughs> all in. So like this, all I pull, I'm in 11 counties um, in DFW and most of it, when I pull it, um, I have a team that does my calling for me. They do the texting for me. Um, I have a company that does my mailers for me. Um, I have templates for that. Um, I still do my acquisitions and dispositions. And the reason why is because I have my nine to five, I have different ways of where a lot of times I'll buy the properties myself. If it's a good deal, when it comes through, if it's not, I might throw it to Scotty, Will, you know, but I don't tax them like because they are my community, whatever. But you gotta get paid though. Yeah, but <laughs> I gotta get paid still too. But um, I like doing my own acquisitions because with me having a nine to five, um, being federal, we have this what's called a TSP. It's just like a 401k. Um, and when all of the stuff was going on through COVID, um stocks and all this stuff it was on steroids so like if you were investing with your 401k all of that stuff you can take a loan out so i just started like buying the different land we alone from the tsp made the profit pay it back rinse and repeat and then what i'm doing with the land i will uh get surveys on it um have gotten some plans on it before hadn't went through the whole process i talked to scotty about that on a few of them but then i'll sell them on the mls um, I don't use a realtor. I use a free broker listing service. But, you know, uh, I do have some realtors that I do miss with here. Um, I love realtors um, who invest, you know, but because uh, realtors really don't like wholesalers. You know what I'm saying? Um, most realtors don't. But I have a community of realtors and brokers that I deal with because we both, you know, we all providing value. But the way that I kind of value my land so like if i look at an infield lot right say in south dallas the house that we just built in south dallas i'm from south dallas so we just moved back um this family they own two lots side by side i found the family they lived in west dallas uh it was six heirs they only wanted six thousand dollars so 
We paid them twelve thousand for both of the lots. Um, and on that same street, a house just sold for three fourteen. So we were all in building um, like one eighty, but more so because it wasn't spec and like the different builders was charging us like you know just a little bit more. Normally, if you build for yourself, I'm sure like we'll it could have been around like one twenty probably or either one forty, I guess. <laughs> See. <laughs> but see, okay, so anyways, well, it was like 180 and then, like I said, we paid the 6000 but our house is appraising at around like, I think you said like 280 or like three, anywhere from like 280 to three. That's what they're telling us. Cause a house sold for 314 down the street. So that's kind of how you have to like value it with land. Some wholesalers and investors, they'll look at the other land that's being sold. And that's cool if you are trying to like resell the land. But if you're trying to build, you have to look at the new bills. You know what I'm saying? Like what's being sold in the area. So like, well, that's how I do it anyways. Um, but I look at land as being sold as well. Um, I've been getting into acres. Um, I have the 13 acres on the contract for 48,000. Uh, Scotty tossed me that one. So <laughs> oh, you know, deal, Scotty? yeah, when we, that's, that's crazy. Man. When we close that one, um, you know, that one's pretty good, but you know, I'm getting into the acres, uh, more cause I really want to develop a subdivision. Uh, that's kind of my next thing that I want to do. So, but you just got to look at the properties around and what's going on, like the growth. You know what I'm saying? Like, is jobs in the area? Is development coming? You know, what the city got up their sleeves? You know what I'm saying? Of what's coming to the area. And that's how you know if land is good or not. But, I mean, I don't know. Land is always good to me. Like, I think. That's what's up. I have another question before we start opening it up. Uh, does anybody have any questions? Okay, good. So, I'm going to ask this question going to you and then just raise your hand if you have any questions. Um, I guess what I want to know is from y'all experience, what is like one thing that y'all see that holds people back from getting into home ownership? Is it their credit? Is it not having the finances? Is it the documents? Like what what do you see that people are doing wrong to even get into home ownership that way? You know, they can work on that today. Fear. Um fear, really. And analysis paralysis. So the simple thing is this people let me let me take a step back. Buying a home is one of the largest investment that most people will ever make in their lives. So I understand how it could be a really intimidating task. But there's so many resources. There's so many people that have the information, have the knowledge, and just are ready to help people find a house. People paralyze themselves with fear. And when I say that in most cases, you can get into a house in most situations, you can get into, I am not lying. There's a loan product for just about everything. And just because one lender says no, that doesn't mean no forever. That might mean no right now, or that may mean I need to holler at another lender. And so fear paralyzes us. And then it, it used to be, hey, the lack of information. We can't say that. We in a world of Google, TikTok, Instagram, where information is coming at us 100 miles an hour. So there's enough information, but I really think it's fear. And then just hearing no or hearing rejection one time that it keeps people uh, from actually doing what they need to do or really moving forward. I think everybody wanted to add to that. Yeah. Because like the information that comes so fast from us all the time, 
um, I see it a lot. I'm on Twitter like a lot. Like Twitter, you know, is the wild, wild west. But, you know, I've been on Twitter a lot. Um, but a lot of people, all the interest rates, this and this and this and that and da 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 da. Like, stop listening to all that outside noise. Just do it for yourself. Otherwise, you will never know. And like, even, you know, you go to Greg or you go, I'm sorry, I didn't know your name, but the other lender back there, um, it, they'll give you the blueprint if you're not ready right now. You know what I'm saying? Like you have to, with real estate, like even with like with the marketing and stuff, like no, when I get a no or like I don't stop, like I, they just get in the follow-up bucket. You know what I'm saying? Until like a person done told me, no, they're gonna die in the house. Well, can we reach out to your kids after you die? Like, I don't know. I just, I don't take no for an answer. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to get to the yes. And you can do that by going to different lenders all the time, but stop listening to all the group think. Cause people do that all the time. Like what you fake outraged about today. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, just don't, I don't know. Like, but interest rates are up. Yes, but they gonna go down too. So it's just, you know. I don't know. Oh no, I would say something a little different. Now, what you said though was really good though. Like, like she, like, like alluding to what she's saying is like misinformation is really key. You know, you hear it from the gurus, maybe it's on IG or you know conferences. Not to say that these people are you know have ill intent, but just I, I like to take it a, a a step deeper, kind of like to what you were saying, Scotty, about like the fear. I think it's a lot of times, especially with black people and black and brown folks, it's that generational curses, right? This on uh, the lack of self-esteem or feeling like less than or thinking that maybe you're not good enough. Because I see it so much like people can have money and still have low self-esteem. So it's not about having your bag together. You know what I'm saying? So like for me, like I had to get that get out of my own way, too. Before I got into entrepreneurship, I had this like I thought I had high self-esteem because I got girls. But when it came to like, no, nah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I thought I did, um, <laughs> but when it came to business, I, w I was my own worst critic. And, you know, I would psych myself out because, like, you know, I was a little ex little street dude, you know, whatever. I sold dope, whatever, whatever the case may be. People not going to take me serious. You know, I, c I don't talk proper. Woo -woo. You know, you give yourself a list of excuses of why you can't execute and do whatever the case may be. But at the end of the day, like, if God called you to it, he can call you through it. So, like, every person in here has a unique gift and talent. You know, and there's so much information. So there's so much ways to get clean, positive information, you know, from reputable like resources. So like, you know, main thing is like, hey, bump that jump. Whatever your daddy didn't do, your grandma didn't do, that ends with you. You can do it. You can get to a property for way less than you think. He just said they, he just talked about a property for 260 that somebody paid. What well, Greg said something about 5000. Like it don't take as much as y'all think to get into real estate. And some people may not have 5000 and that's okay. That's when you talk about business credit. There's people in here that do credit, right? You can get a business credit card for like 10 grand, 20 grand, charge that thing up, and then get into that property. And then worry about paying that, that bank back later. But the, but the cool thing about it is, they <laughs> real talk, they can't come for you like that. You know what I mean? You see what I'm saying? That's real. You can't, you should pay them back, but don't let paying them back stop you from getting your property is what I'm please, saying. Please Let's pay Frost on, Bank back. Please pay, pay please Frost, play Bank, Frost Bank, Bank back. <laughs> At least a small you know. But get into that property. Like, I don't care what nobody say, bro. Like, it's not that hard. Like, when I first started, you know, in real estate, I ain't know what I was doing. Don't let the fact that you don't know what you're doing stop you either. Because I hear a lot of people like, well, I don't really know where to start. I want to educate myself before I get into it. 
like Higgs, no, I almost said something. I ain't want to say. Bottom line is, just do it, bro. Nike. It don't matter what you don't know. Do it. Fail fast. Fail hard. And I feel like experience is gonna teach you along the way, and you gonna make that bag sooner or later if you surround yourself around the right community, smart people. Because I ain't the smartest person, but I know people who are smarter than me. Am I smart enough to be strategic and get those people in the room and be able to, you know, power storm, brainstorm on how to get something accomplished and put whatever money I have to use so I can make it multiply times five, times ten. And each and every person here can do it because don't look at us like we, I don't know if y'all think we arrived or something, but everybody in here can do the same thing I'm doing. You don't need that much money. So. I think culturally, uh parents aunts uncles project um they project their fears on us um as women when we're single we think like oh we have to wait on a man like it's a lot of things like that and it's a lot of projection that happens when it comes to owning real estate investing um you let I could even go back to like when I first thought about becoming a realtor. Somebody talked me out of it for three years because they were failing in real estate. And so I let their fear hold me back. Um, So that's the same thing with anybody else. Um, Your parents are project, even when you're purchasing, a lot of times what they'll say is, well, I didn't pay that much in mortgage. That, That wasn't what I paid. That's a lot of money. Well, we're in new times. People make more money. Um, and we, you know, we're doing better. We have more resources. So I think culturally, that's like a big thing for us is the projection. What I find is that a lot of entrepreneurs want to delegate their autonomy and hide their ignorance, meaning that we're in an era as an entrepreneur where you feel like you need a coach for everything. Right. I need a business coach. I need a marketing coach. I need a this coach. I need a that coach. So any joker who done did some one time, wrote an ebook and can run a Facebook ad now wants to coach you through a process. Right. And I feel like often, especially with real estate, we rob ourselves of just using the resources that are put there to allow us to thrive. Right. So why would I go pay a real estate coach or an investment coach when my realtor and my lenders job? Right. What they get paid to do is for me to win, right? So now you done spent your down payment to get into a coaching program to learn how to do the thing when you could have just got in the rooms and talked to the people who could have gotten you to do the thing. So what I see most entrepreneurs do is like they run in circles trying to gather information so that they can come to the table with their realtor. I'm gonna flicks and flip and I have the equity and you have all the answers. And it's like, she could have gave you the answers for free if you would have just sat down with her and told you and told her your your plans, right? Like when I moved to Dallas, I told her, I was like, I wanna invest somewhere where I can get equity quick, that I can Airbnb it, like what y'all got? And they were like, okay, South Dallas, you'll be by Fair Park, you know, uh, people come obviously in town for the fair, it'll be a good place to Airbnb, the, the prices are coming up. She's the expert, right? But as entrepreneurs, we always want, uh, 
like a coach or somebody to, to, to tell us that we're like doing it right because we have that imposter syndrome and a lot of us are first time entrepreneurs. So we really think we don't know what we're doing. We know what we're doing, right? But we always just need that little, that little nudge, that little, Validation. you know, assurance. And I think that really holds a lot of people back from moving farther, faster, because we're always stopping to get people's opinions and get a coach and get whatever on the way. And then you look back and you're like, damn, it done took me five years when it took so-and-so five months. And it's like, cause so-and-so, they they were running off ignorance, right? They were running off ignorance while you're trying to get all the answers, they were taking action. And I really, really hope that after this panel, you guys realize and connect with the people in the room that what you need to get started investing in real estate is usually a conversation and nothing else. That's real. Yeah, clap it up for that. So we're going to go into questions and uh, so to give it time on the back end for you guys to network with everyone and, and pick their brains and, you know, ask for a loan like I'm about to. Uh, <laughs> okay. All three of y'all, these well, five of y'all. Um, well, um, start here and I'll go back, ask you. Um, but yeah. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Try to ask it specifically to a person. That way we're good on time, if y'all don't mind. So I got multiple questions, but I know we got folks in the back. Um, I had to pick one. All right, so I'm gonna just pick this one. I think this is more for you. So this one will. By the way, what adjust now that rates are higher? You mentioned the cash out refi, holding onto the property, renting it out. So my question is, what adjustments are you making mentally and in your business to adjust to the rates being higher? Because if the rates are higher and you pulling money out of the house. It's probably messing up your cash flow. I'm assuming. So, like, what adjustments are you making to deal with the higher rates? Because you said something about rates being higher, but that ain't no reason to stop buying, which I agree. But how does that work? Like, how are you making that work? Yeah, so that's a good question. Just to kind of reiterate his question in case someone didn't get it, he basically asked, like, how am I mentally preparing myself, you know, with the, with the fact that the rates are increasing? you know, as it pertains to cash out refi, right? So for me, like, start with that mindset. I'm just a, I'm just a, I'm just like a, a boat jumper. Like, I don't care. I'm going to do it, figure it out. If it don't work, cool. I, I wasted that money. I get it back. I'm a hustler. But just thinking about it more strategically, I think the, the strategy in it is, okay, I get it. I do amortization schedules. So I'll get with my banker, whoever the case may be, my hard money lender, and I pull out that amortization schedule. Is anyone, is everyone familiar with an amortization schedule? Nope. Some people, somebody said no, no right? Wait, wait, I said no. It's a no. Okay. So essentially, what that is is it tells you like the you know the interest, the interest rates, and how they're going to progress over the, the life of the loan, right? So I typically try to look at year. I don't know if I got an interest strategy or an exit strategy of I'm only probably going to hold this property a year or two. I look at, okay, what interest and principal and everything could I potentially pay in the next year or two? Okay, how much cash are they willing to let me take out, right? So if I built, like me, I'm, I'm doing a whole bunch of new builds to rent. So I currently got 10 new builds under construction that I'm building right now, right? Like, I, like I, I'll, use this, I'll use this deal for an example. So I tour down a church, right? A church like in South Dallas, and I'm getting ready to build four homes on it. So how I'm doing that deal is I'm gonna build them for let's just say I'm just making up number. Let's just say I built I built each and every project for 300. So that's 1.2 million, right? All four of those projects, let's just say they appraise at 500 a piece. So what's 500 times four? 
Yeah, five hundred times four is what? Two mil. Yeah, we went to college. We passed high school. <laughs> All right, so that two million and it cost me one point two to build, right? Because I built it at three hundred. Three hundred was three times four was twelve. So three hundred thousand times four is one point two. Sales price is five hundred thousand times the number of homes. So that's a, a difference of what? How much? Eight eight hundred. So you got eight hundred, but you can't take all eight hundred at that. You only could take now they lowered it from eighty to like some lenders are seventy five, some are seventy. Some are even sixty five. It just depends, right? So me knowing that, I know I can only probably get sixty five, maybe seventy percent of that eight hundred. Cool. I don't really need all that. I just need enough to do my thing and hang. So I'ma take maybe two fifty. I don't need a quarter. I ain't gotta pay taxes on it. Because if I sell those houses, right, I gotta pay taxes on it. Remember what did I teach y'all earlier? Take tax, no. Interest. You pay you, <laughs> Yeah, somebody interest yeah. debt. On interest, you don't pay taxes. I mean, I mean on tax, I mean on income, you gotta pay taxes. On on debt, you don't pay, you don't pay interest, right? So when I take out that quarter or whatever, I'm just using this example. If I take out a quarter, I ain't gotta pay no taxes on that. I you know So it depends on how the market is, right? So like, I may have tenants, I may Airbnb, it just depends on what's advantageous at that particular moment. I can't necessarily say for each and every investor what would be advantageous to you in that moment, right? You may walk into it with a tenant, you may not. Just being realistic about how real estate investing works. You're not gonna always have a slammed up deal and the deal may not always go the way in which you anticipate it, right? So let's just say in this example, I may have tenants already lined up, I may not, but that's cool. When I take out my 250 or 300, whatever I decide to take out, I got more than enough money to pay my rent or you know my mortgages, however you want to call it, for all those properties for the next X, Y, Z years. Plus, giving myself a honey or whatever the case may be. And I sit down, I, I pull out my you know my financial calculator. I look at, like I said before, my amortization schedule, right? And I run my numbers and I kind of make it make sense. And I'm like, all right, bro, okay. If nobody came and rented these houses, let's just say Putin come, and do something crazy. I'm just making, messing, make, I'm just being real, right? Regardless of what happens to the market, if every person in here says, I ain't buying a house no more because I listen to Dave Ramsey or Aunt Jamama on the syrup bottle and she's told me not to buy a house or rent a house, I'm cool because I got more than enough to cover my expenses plus go to Vegas and hang. So that's how you gotta think about it. That makes sense? Yeah. That's a great question. What's your name? Soraya. I like that. Um, so in this environment, what kind of business do you have? Stationary company? Um, most lenders and, and, and our commercial guy has left for they, but, but most of the time, if you're looking at leasing a property, they're gonna expect for you to have 
a really decent either business plan if you're a brand new um, if you're a brand new business or you have to have a solid tax return. So what these landlords are looking for is they're wanting to make certain that you're able to sustain that lease long term. Now, what that looks like is, hey, I have revenue that can cover, you know, the two, three, four thousand dollar rent payment. But also I have a business model or a business idea that's able to sustain longer than a one year lease. So when you go and rent a house, they're looking at one year, right? You know, and you'll renew next. But with commercial properties, they're wanting you to do longer terms, three years, five years, seven years or 10 years. Um, for those owners, that's important. So they'll look at that and they'll heavily scrutinize that and say, hey, you know, this is your business. I don't think that it's going to sustain longer than the three years or five years. And that's, you know, they could be wrong and they likely are, but it's their building. Um, so switching gears, if you're looking at purchasing a commercial property, you're going to have to come with a larger percentage down in most cases with traditional lenders, say Frost Bank or most most other commercial lenders. They're going to look at 20 to 25 percent down for a building. Now, much like anything else in real estate, it depends. Right. So if you find a building or you find something and I'm a heavy proponent of South Dallas. So if you have a solid business idea that you think um, or that you feel is profitable long term, I encourage you to move to South Dallas specifically because and, and when I say South Dallas, I'm talking about Fair Park down MLK, not South of Dallas. Like I'm I'm being very, very specific about the neighborhood that I want you to move to because we need businesses um, that can hire in the community. We need businesses that, yeah, that that can do uh, some good things and, and are a product of the area. But because buildings are still so cheap, you can still approach it like what these folks have been talking about up here. So you come into a, a, a property and you look and say, okay, well, cool. I've reached out to this owner. I think the property may be worth 300,000, but I'm gonna make an offer at 150. You know, the lender will come in and say, hey, you know, we might can do something with that. There, there could be some equity plays in there. You may have a lower down payment than, than what you're typically required to pay. But ultimately it just depends on the deal. If you're looking to lease, have your business plan together, have your, your financials in place, your P&L, your balance sheet, your cash flow statement, um, and make certain that you're able to sustain at least a three-year lease. They're going to make you do a personal guarantor if you're not a large company a lot of times. So if you don't have any aging on your LLC or your company, they're going to make you do a personal guarantee. My pleasure. I know we had Jason next, and then I'll come to the next. I'm, I'll, I'll give a real quick response and then I'm going to let somebody else uh, capture that. So, I, 
so so here here's here's what I suggest, right? Because what you say? Right. Yeah. There you go. Try that route. Buy off market <laughs> because you'll find good deals that way. But um, married the house and date the rate. And so what that means is if you find a deal that you like and you think it's going to be a good deal and it's in an area that's in a, a high appreciating area like South Dallas, <laughs> buy it. Because these rates are not going to, you know, it's going to be a while before they tick down. But they ain't going to go too, too crazy, I don't believe. Because then you, then you, then you drop us into this economic stuff that just, you know, I don't think that they're ready to do. So if you find a deal that you like and numbers aren't working, you may have a little bit. It may be I'm breaking even for the month. But guess what? Refinance when rates go down. And so that's that's really all I can say at this moment, because it doesn't make sense to put more money down in this market because shit, it's still not going to make sense. So get in for as little money as you can, in my opinion, uh, refinance or you can do a two one buy down. Right. So a two one buy down. <laughs> talk, talk. You about to talk about that. That's what I was Oh yeah, so you can do a two-one buy down where you you buy the rate down for a couple years, and then hopefully at the end of that two years, rates are starting to decrease. You want to talk about that? Is this for like primary or this for an investment?